Hey guys, you're listening to Leaving a Legacy. You don't have to scoop to anyone. Right. Even it, your mom, you know, when she's <laughs> in the top eight, then you're going to knock her out, man. So we're going... <laughs> we moved into the balls D portion of it. <laughs> There's some things you just can't buy in Vermont. It's like like Mex- Mexican America. food, you can't buy Mexican food. <laughs> hey there, this is Ty with a Fro, and you're listening to Leaving a Legacy. Spot on, man. Good job. So, <laughs> all right. So, yeah. So, Tyler and Jerry can't be here because uh, now he's dodging Pat. <laughs> but we got Pat here too. How you doing, Pat? I'm doing well, man. How are you? I am. I'm doing. I itch. All right. Just shit's crazy. Yeah, I'm not even gonna lie. <laughs> so, um, I'm doing good though. I'm I'm doing good. It's all it's all good crazy. I just I just spent the entire day running around like a maniac, which is. Uh, Probably why you know it's it's enjoyable and it's probably why I like playing combo decks. <laughs> Which so my now yeah so we got Tyler the Fro, and and I'm I am like, all right I'm I'm passingly familiar with you as far as like this is this is this is uh, I I really just got to thank you anyway but uh, my my familiarity was just like so back there was a while ago there was a modern GP at GP Boston which was actually held in Worcester. And uh, at the time, I was playing Modern Goriel's Vengeance, and this was <laughs> this was before people were doing the Nourishing Shoal stuff. Yeah. And I was playing it with Is It Charm, um, because I don't know that was just how I was doing it, and I didn't like it. So I was playing with Is It Charm, and I had a really difficult time with Scavenging Ooze and Deathrite Shaman. And normally, I don't play a lot of Modern anyway, but that was yeah. uh, you know KYT and Scotty Mack had come down, and Scotty had said something about your list so he directed me to your article on legit mtg which uh you were actually playing lightning bolt no is it charms yep and it did much better for me yeah <laughs> so so i i i uh when i'm looking at like modern i love gorio's vengeance i am a tin fins player i just love tin fins and um oh, yeah. so in modern that's like besides merfolk that would be my go-to deck and it's usually like uh, your list is my go-to that article is actually my go-to article when it comes to it too, and I've, uh, you know, I've, I've referred people to it. Um, well, I must say I am flattered. That uh, that was one of my favorite modern decks for quite some time. Yeah. Now, do you do a lot of modern? Uh, I was out of it for a while, like pretty much since Dragons, I was out of it, and then they printed all these new all draws, and I'm like, you know what? Uh, I saw a couple lists online. I'm like, yeah, let's get back on this. Okay. And frankly, like I'm just having so much fun with the modern, the modern Eldrazi deck that I kind of want to brew within Legacy. Huh? Just, like twelve poster? Um, actually, it's just gonna be like four Eldrazi Temple, four Ivugan, four Ancient Tomb, and four uh, uh, City of Traders. And okay. you just have like sixteen Ancient Tomb effects. Uh huh. Huh? You gonna? So have you already started brewing that up? Yeah, um, it's one of the projects I'm uh, working on right now with a couple of friends. Are you playing wastes at all? Those the little wastes? Not uh, it feels weird. <laughs> I can't even say that the the wasteland. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Um, right now I don't have too many slots for uh, waste because I still have like real wasteland in there. Like I think two copies. Um, but I'm pretty sure 
I could fill in a couple slots just so I'm not completely screwed by Wasteland. Hmm. It's uh, it's a work in progress right now, but like the the idea of just going like turn one Ayavugan, dropping an Eldrazi Mimic or two for free, and then following up with like Thought Knots here and bashing them for like eight. I'm like, yeah, okay, let's go for it. Okay. All right. So, uh, and but you also play Dredge, right? Oh yeah. I'm uh, something of a dredge specialist. Okay, and uh, when you do dredge, I'm assuming you're not doing manalists. Oh god, no. Okay. LEDs are nothing. All right, and do you play Icarids? Oh yeah. Okay. Uh, three copies. So you're doing more like creature. Like I'll play dredge, but a lot of times I play it more like a combo deck. Like I go, I go straight to dread return, Grizzlebrand, and flip the deck. I, that used to be my version, then uh, my metagame shifted a little bit, so I cut the Grizzlebrand from main deck Iona. Sure. Yeah, which yeah. is which is usually better against, like, Omni-Show decks anyway. Or the, yeah. the... Yeah, actually, I guess the mono-blue Omni-Show deck. Like, I was doing... I stopped playing Omni-Show when it really went to mono-blue. I just... I didn't like to release the ants out of the sideboard. But before that, it was, like, um, like three show-and-tells in the deck with four Burning Wishes, and then you had a, so- a Sorcery Speed sideboard. Oh yeah, it, it was. I, I really liked it, but ri- it was bad to rush it on port. Yeah. Oof. Yeah. So, <laughs> I mean, now I'm not seeing ports. I wish I just threw the deck back together. Yeah. But, now there's no dig through time, so it's a little trickier. Mm-hmm. Now there was something else too, because maybe I mean this isn't quite as personal, I guess. But like, what is it that you do for work? Because I saw you, I mean, you did something a while ago. We were kind of going back and forth on Twitter a little bit because you had some sort of bags of coffee that I can't find in the U.S. Oh, basically, uh, me, my dad, and my brother, we run a hot sauce store. And one of our suppliers carried this line of coffee called Wake the Fuck Up. And we're like, that's yeah, what it was. <laughs> yeah. So we're like, yeah, okay, we're going to, we're going to bring in like a bag of each and just like try it out. And it was like, way better than the crap we got up here in Canada. So we're like, you know what? Fuck it, we're just going to stock it. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> I, I, and I, I'm not, I won't shop on Amazon. Like, I would just rather, I would rather not. Um, yeah. Like, I could probably find it on Amazon, I imagine, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, man, I wish like we, somebody... We actually, like, we actually get it from Texas. So it's like, it's not... Okay, all right. Too, it shouldn't be too, too bad. Did you ever hear of... Uh, this is the, like... Did you ever hear of something called Crank 2.0? Oh, yeah. There was a kid I used to know that used to make coffee out of it. Oh, jeez. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Which, I mean, that's like, I don't know if you ever heard of Jaeger bombs. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I never really understood, like, I want to get so fucked up that I just can't walk either and have all this energy. That sounds, like, dangerous. (laughs) But, yeah, Crank 2.0 making coffee, just really, I don't know. I know a lot of bad people, but... Dangerous stuff. <laughs> yeah. Now, did, did you? Uh, so I, I know you're a fan of hot sauce too. What about um, you like just anything hot, or is it just specifically sauces? Like this, this kid, uh-huh. this kid at work came in the other day, and he's like, "Oh, want to try some of this beef jerky?" And it was like, uh, lined, laced, whatever the hell it's called, with uh, Carol, the new Carolina Reaper. Ooh. Have you heard of those peppers? It's one of my favorites. <laughs> yeah. Okay. He, he came in with that <laughs> stuff, and and. Uh, it was good. I mean, it was really just the outside was spicy, but I, yeah. I, I just kept hearing about uh, the Carolina Reaper. Well, it's, it's one of those peppers where it's just, like, super intense at first, and we uh, we found one sauce that's got kind of, like, a smoky flavor at first that kind of masks that intensity a little bit, so it's actually got a really nice flavor to it, too, which is really important for uh, most hot sauces. Mm. 
Otherwise, you get into like that Frank's crap, where it's you just get like that acidic, vinegary flavor. Mm. Um. So, so you're looking at like, is it? It's not all right. So it's not a twelve post list. It's just an Eldrazi deck that you're doing. Yeah, pretty much. And and as you're so as you're brewing it, like what are your what are your considerations? Well, first and foremost, I want to try and keep it on theme. Like, I came into this thinking, I just want to, like, curve out. I just want to have, like, this kind of aggressive beatdown strategy. Because, like, playing Thought Not Seer on turn two is bigger than most Tarmogoyfs at that turn. So, play, uh, playing what? Uh, Thought Not Seer. It's the uh, new 4-4 four, four for three in a colorless. Uh, it's like Vendillion Quake. Oh, no shit. Yeah. Okay. Stupid. All right. See, I'm not a lot of standard cards. I'm not familiar with. I don't do standard. Yeah. So, so like as they get released, until I see them hit play, I'm probably not <laughs> familiar with what they are, uh, unless it was something janky that I was trying to figure out during spoilers, and then I'm like, yeah, that's too much work. Yeah. <laughs> so, oh, yeah. so what's this called? Thought. Uh, thought. Dash knot. Like, like you tie a knot. Okay. Seer. And okay. It's a four four for four. When it enters the battlefield, they reveal their hand, and you can exile a non-land card from that hand. And when it leaves play, they draw a card. So it's kind of a delayed Vendillion Cleek. Oh, no shit. Yeah. So they don't actually get to draw a card until they can answer it. Exactly. Oh, um, that's kind of cool. Yeah, and like the only real answer for it is uh, Source of uh, Plowshares, because it's too big for Bolt, it's too big for Abrupt Decay. There's some decks that just can't get rid of this thing. I know shit. And it comes down on turn two. Wow. Oh, yeah, yeah, because Ancient Tomb will be dumping out Waste Mana, too. Yeah. Oh, that is actually... No shit, that is... Okay, so, all right. And then what else? And There's another one you, called... If you uh, play Eye of Ugin, your Eldrazi spells cost one less, right? Like, I'm not even... Two less, actually. Three less? Two less. Oh, two less, okay. Yeah. So that Seer is coming down off of one Ancient Tomb. Uh-huh. And even better is there's a two-drop. It's a, a 2-1 Eldrazi. Um, and whenever another colorless creature enters the battlefield under your control, it gain, it copies its stats. Okay. And what's, what is it natively? 2-1. Uh, All right. So And then if this comes in after that, it, then the other one also becomes a 4-4. Four, four. Yeah. Oh, no shit. So, like, you turn one this thing. And with Ayavugan, it's free to cast. Okay. So you turn one this thing, turn two, Thought Not Seer, hit them for four. And then on turn three, there's another one. It's a 5-5 five, five for five, Trample in Haste. And it cannot be, whenever it's targeted by a spell the opponent controls, counter it unless they discard a card. Okay. So the curve is, turn one, Eldrazi Mimic, turn two, Thought Not Seer, hit them for four. Turn three, this thing is called a Reality Smasher, Copies it, makes it a 5-5. Five, five. So you're swinging in with two 5-5s five, and a 4-4. Four, four. That's 18 damage on turn on uh, turn 3 huh. total. Like, Damn. Yeah, it's stupidly aggressive. Wow. Yeah, I, I don't even know how you would, like... Yeah. <laughs> it's an Eldrazi <laughs> deck. I'm like, I don't know if you want to hit the lands. Like, do you just start fighting and, like, wait for them to start dropping Bill Eldrazi's after? Like, are you, like, are you playing bigger decking. Eldrazi's in there, too? Like your Emrakul and shit? No, man. Too you don't expensive. even need to? You don't need to. Okay. Like, 
I might curve at, like, Oblivion Soul, which is a 6-drop. Okay. Which is, again, like, turn 3 in this deck. And, like, I'm filling it out with, like, 4 main deck Pithing Needles for Wasteland. Um, I'm gonna have some number of Defense Grid to be uh, Force Will, just in case I don't draw Cavernous Souls, like... Oh, yeah, because you can play Cavernous Souls and say Eldrazi. Holy shit. Yeah. <laughs> Now, have you been, have you been, you, I mean, obviously you've been playtesting this deck. Yeah, like, I've been on Cockatrice for, like, the last, like, week and a half just testing this, like, as soon as... Oh, look at that, uh, I found somebody else who plays that. Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> I never, I never admit it. It's almost like, you know, riding mopeds. Like, it's yeah. cool, but you just well, never want to admit it to your friends. <laughs> the, the big thing is, like, I, I'm not rich enough to support a paper collection and a moto collection. Mm-hmm. And for, like, the longest time, I I was using a, a MacBook for work, and, like, there's just no moto for Macs. And it's like, you know what? If I'm going to play online and do, like, any kind of testing outside of just, like, meeting my friends in person, I don't really have too many options. Yeah. I just figure, <laughs> I, I mean, I figure, like, I'll play around on it and stuff, and it's cool. Yeah. I always figure it's better if you're using it in conjunction with Skype. Oh, absolutely. You know what I mean? It also really helps if you are playing with friends on it, so yeah. you don't have that, like, confusion between, like, you don't know what the hell you're actually doing. Well, yeah. I mean, that's the thing, too, is, like, if, like, you know, trying to play, I don't know, ten fins on Trice or something, and you can tell your opponent is not sure how you just instant-speeded with Emmercool's trigger on the stack. <laughs> yeah. Like, it, it always seems like that's easier if we're using Skype at the same time. Yeah, it, it's the worst. Trying to, like, just type everything out, and, like, they're constantly just typing stuff back, and it's just moving the chat up and down, and it's like, yeah. Yeah, till, till I hit the link and say it's right here in Google. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. And they go, oh my god, why am I playing against this deck? Screw this. But now, are you? So yeah, Tyler was just telling me about a deck that he's brewing up. That sounds intense. How's it? How's it do against Delver decks? Delver is actually shouldn't be too bad. Um, just because like if you jam like the the four four on turn two, it kind of outpaces most of their their clock. Plus, it also rips their like answer to it out of their hand. So, like, if their big answer is, like, trading with it in tar- with uh, Tarmogoyf, you just take that Tarmogoyf out of their hand, and away you go. Mm-hmm. Um, if they have, like, a particularly, like, aggressive uh, disruption package in their hand, like, force will into Wasteland, into Days and all that, it's, like, it can be rough. Um, just by virtue of just, like, not too many decks can beat a start like that. But... Frankly, like once you get control of the game, you just crush them. Uh, okay, it, is it? Jeez, I can't even. I'm trying to imagine how it even does against burn. Not that burn's terribly common, but like I know the like. So Pat, we're talking about this uh, thought here. Here's a little link. Uh, okay. Because now I am not. You know, I was telling Tyler when when there's cards that are released, I am not familiar with them. Like, mm-hmm. I'll look at them during spoiler season, and I'll look at, like, the ones I kind of want to see if there's anything maybe I could play with, but then uh, I usually realize how much how many hoops I'm trying to jump through to cast whatever <laughs> this... What, what's what's the new mechanic that they have? Pay a billion and get an 8-8 Kraken? With oh, the uh, Surge mechanic? Yeah, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm looking at the hoops i got to jump through to make that happen. I'm like, I really just want to shallow grave Grizzlebrand. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Me too. Me too. <laughs> so much better. And so, like, but he, he was actually, do you see this card he's talking about? Thought Not Seer? The thought Not Seer. Yeah, I've heard a lot about him, actually. He's kind of, kind of an interesting card. Yeah, it was, it was comparing it to Click. 
and it actually yeah. seems pretty fucking good. Yeah, it's it's I've definitely heard that um that same thing that it's it's yeah, comparable to Click. Um I mean, he doesn't have flash, right? So that's a little bit of a drawback, but the 44 body is very nice. I mean, that's a that's a real body in Legacy, for sure. Well, yeah, I mean, it doesn't have flash unless you start playing it with vials, I guess. <laughs> yeah, true. Like True. if if you really if you're taking a vial to pull back. Oh, yeah, because I guess it's, I guess it's then enter the battlefield trigger. It's not a cast cast trigger. Yeah. Hmm. That's interesting. But but like the only, you know, this of course goif can get big, but it kind of takes a while for a goif to get big. And you could, I guess, yeah, you really can't get away with playing a rest in peace. Uh, but um, I, I was just trying to think. I'm like, like what maybe Gurmag Angler could natively block it. Like, yeah, that's about it. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, I mean a, a good a good sized goif will block it, but um, still, I, I mean, still, a, a, you know, you see plenty of three four goifs around. So now, depending on how fast you get this guy out. What was the yeah. first? What was the first one you were talking about? I forget the name of it. Eldrazi mimic. Okay, yeah. So that take so that'll take the character, the power toughness, even if the thought not seer leaves the field, right? Um, basically, it's like a. It copies the stats until end of turn, but like, you just want to oh, play okay. your play your thought knots here yep. and just punch them for four. Yep. With the and then pick. it just gets bigger and bigger as the game goes on. You just keep slamming bigger and bigger bodies. Right, mm. right. That's and awesome. because it only costs two, it's free to cast with Ayavugan. It comes down on turn one, and if you have multiples in your opening hand, you just play I and just go, oh, two mimics, untap thought knots here, hit you for eight. Would you know? Are you trying to um, play all his dust also? I can get away with like two copies of it. Yeah. Um, but frankly, like, it can be a little slow at times. Okay. I'm trying to think of how familiar, like, like what this deck would compare to. It doesn't sound like it would compare as much to Twelve Post. It almost sounds like it would compare a little bit to Mud. Yeah, that's what bit. I was thinking too. What yeah, what, is it, what does your mana base look like exactly? Uh, basically, it's four Ivugans. Four Eldrazi Temple, four Ancient Tomb, four uh, City Traders, two Wastelands, and I'm trying to see like if I, how many Cavernous Souls and how many like basic wastes I can kind of fit in there. So I mean, you're going super hard on the colorless. Are you splashing any colors? Uh, currently, no. Okay, interesting. Yeah, that is neat. Like, ideally, like I might be able to squeeze in like a couple Urborg Tomb of Yogmo so I can get like that black splash in there for sure. uh, the combo matchups. Yeah. Oh shit! Right, you can play more hand disruption. Yeah, like Thoughtseize, Inquisition, Duress, Cabal Therapy. What's that new colorless card from Oath that uh, destroys a creature of power toughness that's one? Are you running that card? Oof. Warping Whale. Uh, yes. I'm, run- I'm running it in Modern. I'm currently not running it in uh, the Legacy build just because like um, you're only really using like the one mode out of it, and mm-hmm. it's still pretty linear. Um, yep. If there, the problem is there aren't too many like sorceries seeing play. Outside of like Terminus and uh, Infernal Tutor, really. Mm-hmm. So that whole like counterspell mode of it's kind of weak. Right. Um, but there is actually another colorless one that's I am trying to run in there. It's a uh, it's like Nameless Inversion, but it's colorless. Okay. So like hmm. that one, it kills all your Delvers, it kills all your Cleeks, um, and you can even use it on your own stuff to like just punch even more damage through. Hmm. That's interesting. Do you have a way to, to, I mean, sideboard at all, anything, a way to answer artifacts? Like, ensnaring bridge? Uh, Ratchet Bomb. 
Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, Ratchet Bomb's kind of a, a catch-all. Um, and I'm still kind of brewing, but, like, I haven't seen too many uh, incinerating bridges floating around, so, like, it hasn't been too big of an issue. Like, my main concern is uh, Delverdex, uh, Storm, for one, and um, Sneaking sure. Show is, like, my big things. Hmm. Just because, like, they kind of they kind of go over you. Hmm. Um, well, I, there's no, uh, yeah, I'm trying to think of what you would actually do. What would you do against a snow, uh, Sneak It Show matchup? Uh, Sneak It Show, I've actually got uh, a couple copies of Duplicant in the sideboard. Okay. Uh, they could, frankly, just as easily be, like, Ashen Riders for all we care at that rate. Right. Do you play Spine? Anything to just, like, calm down and get rid of their threat while keeping a threat. Right. Uh, I have, like, I tested, like, one in the sideboard. Um, it, I've got, like, three or four, like, flex slots right now that I'm just kind of fiddling around with. Mm-hmm. What's, like, um, so, so Pat was asking about the mana base. What's what's the rest of the deck look like? Uh, basically, it's uh, four Eldrazi Mimics, four of the uh, Thought Not Seers, four of that 5-5 uh, Haster, uh, the Reality Smasher, okay. uh, four... Four Oblivion Sower, which is a 5-8 uh, with a cast trigger that exiles the top four cards of their deck, and you take all the base, all the uh, lands from their exile pile and put it in play under your control. <laughs> it's really good for messing up Brainstorm. Oh, no shit. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then, frankly, like I think I have like one or two copies of uh, this one card. It's a... Um, it's called Conduit of Ruin. It's a 5-5 five, five for 6. Enters the battlefield... Oh, sorry, when you cast a trigger, search your deck for a... an Eldrazi... Sorry, a colorless creature that costs 7 or more, put on top of your deck. And the first spell you cast... The first creature you cast each turn costs 2 less. So hmm. you can jam that thing on, like, turn 3. Mm-hmm. And your next Eldrazi, you're casting it for, like, 1 mana. Okay. Yeah, it's, some, it's something I'm testing out because it's a, a four of in my modern deck right now, and I just kind of want to see how it plays out. This is actually wow! It's really interesting. Like a lot of your casting costs, almost man, it's it's almost like looking at how Mud would play against Miracles. Your casting costs are so high. Like yeah. you're, you're going to hit them easy. Yeah. Exactly. Like counterbalance isn't a threat to me. Yeah. Um. I get around Trinisphere no problem. Like in, in <laughs> <laughs> I can actually run Trinisphere if I want. That would actually, yeah, and that might strengthen up a combo matchup also. You can, yeah. you can get away with Chalices too. Yeah. Yeah, I was gonna say Chalice probably doesn't pose much of a problem either. Yeah, exactly. Like, it's really neat. I've, I've got a pretty decent combo matchup. It's just a matter of like that classic problem with Mud is that like you have to be on the play against combo. Right. Who wins the you, die roll? Yeah, just so you can stick that prison piece before they can actually combo off and kill you. Mm-hmm. Are you playing Grim Monolith? Uh, not currently. Okay. Um, for, like, a bigger version of the Eldrazi deck, which is more focused on, like, say, powering out Ulamog as fast as humanly possible, Grim Monolith for sure. Right. But in this kind of deck where I just want to use my early drops to just apply pressure as fast as possible, yeah. it's a little slow. Yeah. No, I just, I just, I've had those matches where you win the die roll, but you end up going like ancient tomb, grim monolith, trinosphere. Yeah. The storm player just cringes. (laughs) (laughs) 
Huh. So, all right, now, Pat, take close notes because you're typing that up for the show. Yeah, you got it, man. (laughs) (laughs) No, that's interesting. I've never been, like, obviously you're known for your brews, right? Like, that's that's your big thing. Like, what what draws you to brewing decks? Because that's never been a a strength of mine or, or something that I'm really good at or want to do. Well... When I when I first like got back into magic after taking like a four year hiatus, I kind of got back into F and M and it was just like a really heavily net deck metagame. Yes. Like everybody knew exactly what they were looking up, what it, they knew what everybody was playing just because they were looking at their phone and they could see exact the entire list. Yep. So I would show up every week with like a completely different deck every single time designed to beat these decks. And nobody really knew what to expect. And, like, I was just stealing so many free wins that, like, it kind of got in my head that if I was constantly brewing and thinking up kind of out there strategies and thinking outside the box, people wouldn't, like, be on their toes about me. And they, like, would kind of lose these free matchups for me. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely, like, I think also the the thing about brewing is that you need to have a pretty firm understanding of the of the uh, the card pool, right? Like, that's one of the things I find difficult about Legacy, and something I learn from Adrian and Jerry every week, is they're bringing cards to me that are that are played in Legacy that I just have never even heard of. So, that's kind of one of the neat things about the format, is that there's just so much to work with. I would imagine that for a brewer, it's probably uh, a pretty fun card pool to, to mess around with. Oh, absolutely. Like, it, one of my favorite things is just, like, zeroing in on, like, a new card to brew around figuring out how to abuse that to its full potential, and then just making it work. Like, when uh, they unbanned World Gorger Dragon, mm-hmm. I figured I figured out an entire list that focused on, like, it used a card from Cons uh, of Tarkir, it was uh, Altar of the Brood. Mm-hmm. One-mana artifact, whenever a permanent enters the battlefield under your control, they mill one. Oh, shit. So you, <laughs> you do the full loop. You do the full dragon loop, and you just mill them out in one go. <laughs> yeah, that's sweet. That's really sweet. <laughs> and then, the, and the best part was, after you've milled them out, you end the loop by animate deading one of their creatures. <laughs> so you don't you don't draw it out. <laughs> that's awesome. That's awesome. Uh, okay, and yeah, I mean that that would work against everything but storm, right? Pretty much. Huh. <laughs> Yeah, brewing's just never been my thing. Like I've I made a few decks, but they've always been really bad and and uh, uh I just have a lot of I have a lot of respect for brewers, so I always copy your deck lists and uh, and just play, and play them myself. So is so the I noticed that you're playing like a lot of the new cards out of the new set. Was there any recent was there like an impetus for this or was it just something you wanted to work with or Frankly like it's a really good like brainstorming exercise when you see something brand new. You kinda have to see how it meshes with like what's already out there. Um that's one of my favorite things is like taking some like some cards from like a brand new set from like standard and then seeing how the legacy card pool can kind of interact with it and kind of break out like some unseen potential that Watsi wasn't exactly expecting it to have. Sure. Sure. Like the Delve spells, for instance. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. That's a really real good legacy. Real yeah. good legacy. <laughs> <laughs> like a I've got a new brew uh, that I'm testing out as well. It's based around um, a new card in the set called a uh, Hedron Alignment. <laughs> you know, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Oh yeah, <laughs> a lot of people have been talking about that card. What are you doing with it, though? Basically, 
That's the only win condition. Everything else in the deck is cantrips and counterspells. You just, because like, when I first started playing, the big deck at the time was one more fling and everything else is counterspells. So. And stasis. And stasis. Like that's, I'm kind of, I'm kind of going back to this. Yeah, yeah. Where like, the only win condition is Hedron Alignment, and you don't even have to worry about it once it resolves because it's got Hexproof. It's an enchantment, so there's n- nobody's going to be able to kill it. And then you've got four Force of Wills, like two to three Misdirections main deck, so you can just like pitch one, get into your XL pile, no problem. You've got Intuition to get in your graveyard, and then you just draw one with like 12 cantrips. Are, are you, now, are you building that one now, or what? I'm but- currently working on it. <laughs> Okay, are you, are you doing white at all? Actually, uh, me and my friend, he's a big Miracles player, he was uh, considering adding those into the deck as kind of an alternate win condition in favor. Like, adding sorry, what in the, the deck? Uh, four Hedron uh, alignments. He's using that as the win condition instead of, like, Entreat the Angels. Oh, I see, I see, okay. Because that way he has Terminus for, like, the aggressive matchups as well. Mm-hmm. I was so, just thinking, like, if if you end up facing somebody with a meddling mage naming Hedron Alignment, you can always get it in the graveyard and play Replenish. Exactly. Or, <laughs> or, like, or, or God forbid, uh, I've also got, like, wipeaways and all that stuff, so, like, I can just, like, wipe away end of yeah. turn and just stick one, so. Yeah, <laughs> yep. Echoing Truth, Void Snare, anything. Yeah, pretty much. I just, I always like Replenish. Yeah, it's kind of sneaky. Yeah, <laughs> I think that's what I was actually doing when, um... At a certain point, if I couldn't show Intel in Omniscience, I'd just try to replenish it. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Love it. Because everybody was doing so many red elemental blasts. Yeah. That's why I just, at the time, and I'm like, you know what? What if I just start doing replenish instead? Can they <laughs> blast that? No. It's, I know Jerry's been trying to figure out something with Hedron Alignment and Stasis. <laughs> like, he likes Stasis. When did you originally start playing, Tyler? Uh, just before Tempest. Okay, and then, and then what set did you stop at? Uh, I took a break uh, just after Darksteel, uh, okay. just because like just because I was like starting like my senior year of high school university like where I actually had to focus, mm-hmm. so so I had to take a break there and I came back uh, around Shards of Alara. Okay, and, and just as a scale. Like I, I played during none of that. <laughs> I just I, I started it revised and I stopped it like Fallen Empires Chronicles and then started again at Innistrad. Okay, so you missed some of the more broken combo decks in standard. I, I missed a long gap and then just went right to Legacy because that's where they had High Tide and um what other cards did I remember? Like I, I could at the time, I didn't realize Wheel of Fortune was banned. <laughs> but there ah. was, uh, I, I could, I, it was just like, oh, well, you know, this is where I can play the cards I remember when I was a kid, so I'm just gonna play this, like, the, the entire Merfolk deck, aside from Phantasmal Image and Aether Vials and, you know, Wastelands and Force of Wills was in existence back when I used to play. Okay, well, there was no Curse Catchers or Civil Adepts. There was a Merfolk deck anyway. Yeah. So, I mean, it was familiar, but there was, there was new interactions that, didn't exist back then. You know, like when I started playing again, um, they had already stopped doing the damage on the stack thing. But, like, it had been, I don't know, a long time since I picked up the cards anyway, so it wasn't like I really acknowledged what was different. You know, it just, it's just a whole lot of new cards that I get to play with, which is just interesting. I mean, I'm old, you know, so that's, that's why, uh, I, I have a gap that was the entire span <laughs> that you played. <laughs> 
Well, that was a that was a time where you could realistically like play memory jar on turn one, yeah. and just like <laughs> like dark ritual out at the time it was called Megrim, which is like whenever the opponent discards a card, they take two damage. So you stick that, you jam memory jar, you crack it, they take fourteen, <laughs> and that was standard for a while. Okay. Oh, okay. Was that was Urza's block, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay, because I didn't remember Memory Jar. <laughs> yeah, I think it was Urza's Legacy or Destiny. I don't know, one of those two. Yeah, yeah, I think it was Legacy. Yeah. And then, then you missed uh, the Mind's Desire decks, because Mind's Desire Storm was fucking fun. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, because back then, for a while, you got to run four copies in your deck. So if you hit a Mind's Desire off of a Mind's Desire, you could keep storming. Just you stormed your entire goddamn deck. Okay. So you basically take your deck, flip it over, and throw all the cards at your opponent. And if there's a Tendrils of Agony still in the deck, you win. Now, what format are you most likely to play now, Tyler? I mean, I know you're brewing some legacy stuff, but um, what's your preferred format of choice? Uh, right now, uh, legacy and modern. Yeah. Anything I can jam either dredge or all two calibrate sensor sensors. <laughs> what do you think about the the, uh, the latest modern bands? Do you have any thoughts on those? <sighs> the the summer bloom one was a long time coming. Yeah, everyone saw um, that coming, right? Like there wasn't yeah. there didn't seem to be much outrage over that band. Yeah, like no, the only people who disagreed with it was actual annual bloom players, mm-hmm. and even then, who gives a shit what they think? <laughs> <laughs> they aren't terrible people anyway. So <laughs> yeah, like. Like one of my one of my friends, he he's an Amulet Bloom player, and he's like, I actually don't care that Bloom got banned. The deck is just a little bit slower. No big deal. It still lives. Right. Splinter Twin, on the other hand, Toronto's modern metagame is like Splinter Twin Central. Hmm. When they spoiled it Friday night, people lost their shit hmm. all over the city, and. It was astounding how pissed off people got. Because, like, they're like, the, they've got this whole turn four combo rule you have. That was, like, the one card that was, like, this is the gold standard for what a combo deck should kill on. And then everybody else is like, yeah, but the problem is, it's a two-card combo, and it's just, oops, I win. Right, right. It's not fun to play against. And the fact that, Regardless of your skill level, if you just put two cards together, you just win on the spot. It pissed off a lot of, it pissed a lot of people off. Mm-hmm. And the big problem is, like, no matter how good of a player you are, no matter how good your deck is set up to beat it, you either hold back removal and you just don't commit to the board and you slow yourself down to fight the combo and they just punch you in the face with Snapcaster Mage for ten turns, or you just Hope they don't have the combo. Attack them, attack them, attack them, and they just rip it out of nowhere and just kill you. So, like, who wants to play that kind of magic? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I know I don't want to play that kind of magic. (laughs) (laughs) It's it's not fun. (laughs) Yeah, I'm just not a fan of modern either. (laughs) So, like... We we were just having fun, me and my friends, just like laughing at uh, a couple of our friends who just built it. <laughs> They're like, "Oh my god, I can't believe I just spent like sixty bucks on Splinter Twins. What am I going to do now?" And just we're just like ripping our binders apart, trying to find our Kiki Jikis, just trying to trade it to this guy. Just like, here, here's a 
for Kiki Jikis, the deck isn't dead, but it's just slower now. Right. So Which is like, I mean, that, that's kind of the effect too of having it, having modern as a pro tour format, right? Like, I think that's a bad, I actually think that having it as a pro tour format makes it bad for the, for the, uh, for the format itself, but. Yeah, it makes it a little bit more volatile to, uh, to ban lists. Right. Um, like, I, I used to be a big proponent of, like, let's have a legacy pro tour. Let's have legacy pro tour qualifiers so I could, you know, play dredge at a competitive <laughs> level. Because uh, we just don't get legacy GPs up here. Yeah. Um, were you down in, you weren't down in New Jersey, were you? No, unfortunately, I had to work, like, seven days straight that, that week. Okay. But I, what I ended up doing was, um, a, I think about eight, my, eight of my friends, they were all like getting cars down to go down to Jersey. Yeah. So I was running workshops with them just to like test, help them test and help them get prepared for it. It's like, I was kind of pulling a, uh, a Mr. Miyagi on these guys. Right? I was like <laughs> training, putting them through the training montage and all that. Mm. <laughs> oh man. And you're a level one judge, right? Yes. How long have you been a level one judge? Uh, actually, not too long. Only about a year and a half now. Okay. Are, are you, like, currently... Are you studying to try to do level two? Are you trying to work some GPs uh, in there? God, no. No? No, like, I became a level one judge just so I could help out uh, my LGS. Okay. Because they didn't really have any... Le- there really aren't too many level ones in the area. Mm-hmm. Um, we have, like, one level two, but he's booked, like, constantly. So if, we, if my store wanted to run a GPT they would have to wait for like him to have like that one weekend available. So we're like, you know what? Let's give him a sh- let's give him a call. See mm-hmm. if he can get like me and my friend to become a uh give us the L one test. We both passed it and so like now we can actually start running like competitive level events. Mm-hmm. And frankly like I have no real interest in becoming anything higher than the level one. Cause there's like all this responsibility and paperwork and it's just like <laughs> You had to write tournament reports and all that crap for like <laughs> tournaments you tournaments you run, and I'm just like, uh, I do not have the time and energy and attention to write any of this crap. Yeah, I'm. Well, you, now, now, are you still are you still writing for Legit MTG? Oh yeah, uh, every other week. Okay, and who else were you writing for? I saw one of your articles listed up on another site too. Uh, with Legit MTG, I'm primarily doing uh, legacy content. Um, one of the other stores in uh, Toronto, Harry T. Nor- uh, Harry Tarantula North. Harry uh, that's it. Yeah. They, uh, they pay me to do, uh, like standard, modern, EDH, casual, like all those kinds of like kitchen table FM writing. Okay. Um, cause they have a fairly large, uh, casual group in addition to their like tournament grinders. Mm-hmm. And they just wanted like some, they wanted to have some content to just like kind of get more people involved in the magic community. Yeah. And I've known them for like six, seven years now. So when they started seeing the the style of writing I had at Legit, mm-hmm. they were like, okay, we like the way you write. It's very casual. It's very informative without being like condescending, like here's what you should be doing kind of kind of writing. So they they offered me the gig, and I'm like, yeah, you know what? Screw it. I've got plenty of brewing potential for multiple formats. Let's, let's go for it. Mm-hmm. And I've been doing that for about two years now. And just having a blast with it. Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, going back to the judge thing too, I just wanted to say it is amazing how much is expected of judges when they have. I feel like 
kind of very little on the back end other than, other than pats in the back and some sealed product. It's pretty impressive what you guys do for the community, and I think uh, a lot more people should be thankful for what you guys are able to do for us. If one of our judges wouldn't be able to play. Oh, yeah, like, I, I know plenty of level twos in Toronto, and they just work themselves, like, half to death, and yeah. for nothing more than just, like, sealed product and just hanging out with people and traveling, like, you, these guys are hardcore with the, with the judging sometimes, like, I, I could, I could not do that. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I think it's great that you, that you did it just to facilitate a community at your old, your, you know, your own LGS. That's yeah. pretty great. That's pretty great. That and like for like the longest time, everybody's coming to me for rules anyway, because I was one of the more like senior players, despite <laughs> being like one of the youngest guys at the store. Like I've just been playing longer than everybody, so they're constantly like, "Tyler, how does this work? How does this work? How does this work?" <laughs> and because I play primarily Legacy and EDH and all that, like I know how all these interactions work. So if somebody plays like Blood Moon and Orbor Tomb of Yawgmoth at the same time, and everybody's like. Okay, what do I tap my mana for now? It's like, they're, <laughs> right. <laughs> they're throwing mountains now. Even, even Warborg, because Warborg is now a mountain. So now you're from, you, I know you live up in Canada, right? Yeah. So interesting thing that we see a lot of, um, people, you know, there are some people who are a little bit hyperbolic about legacy and they say, oh, legacy is, legacy is a dying format or legacy is dead or, or, you know, whatever. But, yeah. you know, thankfully we live in an area where Adrian and I talk about it all the time. We can catch a legacy game. Like six, seven nights a week, most weeks. Um, oh, you lucky bastards! A, yeah, I, we are very fortunate. We are very fortunate. <laughs> I have friends who are out in like you know Kansas City area who can't get Legacy within like an hour, two hours, three hours of them. That's well, why, and he doesn't actually have friends. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, <laughs> what, what's the scene like there for you guys? It's actually not too bad. Um, we, every, I think like. Every three stores or so, they have like the dedicated Legacy Night. Mm-hmm. Um, like Harry Tarantula North, they have uh, Tuesday Legacy. Um, I think Face to Face Downtown, uh, they have uh, Sunday Showdowns like once a month or so, and it's like a 1K event. Um, there's a couple other stores that do like Wednesday Night Legacy, Thursday Night Legacy. Um, there's a lot of stores that have uh, like Friday Night Legacy FNMs. Um, frankly, like, we do have a fairly tight-knit community of, like, legacy-only guys, mm-hmm. and you see them at all the events, you see them anytime somebody even mentions the word legacy, like, yep, we're showing up, we're, we're gonna be there. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's just a matter of, like, we don't have too many, like, big-money, competitive REL-level tournaments, like, we don't get legacy GPs up here at all. Right. Yeah, I'll be I'll be traveling out to um Columbus uh in June for the GP. But yeah, they they are tough to come by for sure. Even you know, kind of almost regardless of where you are, unless you're in Seattle where you get you'll definitely get one a year, but um yeah, it's uh they're tough to come by unfortunately. Yeah. Like I know um we usually get like 20 20 to 30 people just head downtown head down to the uh the states for every legacy GP on the on the East Coast like Yep. These people will travel. Like, I think, yeah. um, I think in Jersey, actually, one of the guys in the top eight was from one of the playgroups up here. Uh, the Lamb fan, he was running Blue Red Landstill. He was the guy with, like, the, the white border wastelands that, like, blacked out <laughs> all his force of wills and all that, pissed off a ton of people on stream. <laughs> oh, man. 
I don't know. I think that stuff looks awesome. My buddy Dan did that with 12 post. Yeah. Everything, everything but the candelabras. <laughs> They're all whiteboarded? Yeah, he, I mean, like, he whiteboarded Emrakul tops. Everything that's just, <laughs> you've never seen whiteboarded, but the only things yeah. that are still blackboarded are his candelabras. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I'd have a, I'd have a hard time defacing those, I think. <laughs> yeah, candelabras are one of the, uh, the tough sells on them. That yeah. kind of, uh, artistic choice. <laughs> so you guys so, are, like, just north of Toronto then, right? Uh, yeah, pretty much. Wait, where you're um, from? Yeah. Like, I'm out near one of the biggest, like, theme parks in Canada is Canada's Wonderland. It's, like, not too far north of Toronto. It's, like, half an hour, but it's, like, half an hour in traffic. So I'm, like, oh, right on the border of Toronto. Oh, okay. <laughs> but, like, I'm still technically, like, not in the city. So, like, there's still kind of that stigma attached from, like, the downtown group. And it's, like, it, it's kind of clicky for my ma- for, for my taste, but... Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I I am not familiar with Canadian geography at all. <laughs> like I, I I've never been across the northern border. Uh, You're missing out, all, man. Yeah, all I really know about it is like apparently Montreal has uh yes yeah, some stuff and um like are you <laughs> <laughs> yes yeah, some yeah, some stuff <laughs> some stuff. <laughs> but, there you go. Yeah, so that's good. <laughs> oh man. Um <laughs> so, Let's see. Uh so I don't know if you were um anywhere near Frankie though. If you I mean like you were mentioning the guys that here Legacy and they're there. Do you know Frankie Rashad? Like I don't, you guys could be in like separate parts of the of the country, I have no idea. We're we're in two separate provinces. Okay. It's uh, pretty much the the distance of like, I want to say like between Minnesota and say New York, roughly. <laughs> okay. uh, all right, so, okay. so Canada, so, Adrian, a province is like a really big state. Think all right. of it like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, yeah. It's, so it's so like Canada's something. a big place, is it? <laughs> yeah, we're, we're, we're looking at like a six-hour train ride between Toronto and Montreal. Okay. Um, and like I've met him before when uh we all went over to Grand Prix Montreal uh last year. Mm. And like it was Frankie Richard, uh Scotty Mack, uh KYT, like that whole group. We like we the the heavy meta crew, we all just went down and we just partied for three days. Mm. And like they they showed us around, they showed us like all the the bars, the poutine places, uh the, the stuff in Montreal. Yeah, the stuff in Montreal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like I I've met him a couple times. I met him like a couple times over the course of the week, mm-hmm. and like it was solid dude. Like we at the time I had a vintage deck with me. Like we were just jamming vintage for a while. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> What'd you play in vintage? I I had dredge for okay. quite some time, um, but unfortunately I had to sell it. To, to make some car payments. Yeah. <laughs> Which, you know, was a pretty substantial chunk of change, so. Right. Wasn't too bad, especially considering, like, again, Toronto's vintage community is, like, a handful of people. Yeah. Hmm. So that's what, that's, uh, I, I mean, it wasn't to make a car payment, but I did, like, a le- last year I actually sold a legacy collection and bought a house. Yeah. <laughs> and now, now I'm just starting to, like, put back together a legacy collection. Now somebody else can play with the cards they used to own, and I can try to reacquire them. Exactly. <laughs> that's how you support your local community, you know, Adrian. Yeah. Just keep buying cards. That's all. 
Yeah. Sell, sell your collection and buy <laughs> sell the it buyback. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like uh, like I built a a fully functioning like char, uh, Goblin Charbelcher deck, and like I'm looking to sell it to somebody in in Toronto who's just getting into the format. Nice. It's like here's an entire deck for you. Oh. I'll sell it to you if you're like. 60% of what you would buy at a store, and let's jam some games. That's yeah. awesome. So, I hadn't really thought about that as a, what the hell should I play? Charbon? <laughs> yeah, we do, we do this little thing where, like, we'll start talking about decks. Like, my, you know, for example, I, I just put Merfolk back together. Um, because you get Force of Will, Wasteland, and those transfer into other decks easily. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, like, I wouldn't, recommend somebody getting into Legacy on the back of Tin Fins. Uh, no. I would probably recommend Reanimator instead. Yeah. Just, be, just because picking up Gorio's Vengeance is a little silly until it gets uh, banned in Modern. It's not that silly. I mean, you know. Oh, yeah, you're just saying because you just bought Gorio's Vengeance. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, Adrian talks about it nonstop, and oh, I had a... Uh, <laughs> we have a uh, uh, one of the shops really close to me... Um, just started doing like kind of like a casual legacy league every week, yeah. and I actually maybe you might be interested in this just because you like to to brew within unusual spaces. Um, they have like their own ban list for legacy there, so okay. it's yeah it's it's the existing ban list plus um, let me try to remember what they are. They also banned Force of Will, they banned Lion's Eye Diamond, uh, they banned Sensei's Divining Top, and they banned uh, one more card. Oh, what the hell was it? Now I won't be able to remember, but there was four, four, ah, shit. Um, Goblin Guide? No, 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 it wasn't, no, I, I'm, I'm looking like Burn doesn't take any damage from this, like. No, not at like, all, not at all. <laughs> um, yeah, it was LED, LED, Force of Will, Top, and, shit, I can't remember. Anyway, so, so I asked Jerry and Adrian what they thought would work well within those confines, and they were both like, yeah, um, Tin fins would be great, and since Adrian <laughs> speaks so highly of it, I'm like, well, uh, I have most of the deck already. Like, the only thing I didn't have was like, well, like the Gorio's Vengeance, the Entombs, the Grizzle Brands. I had most of the land base already, so I figured I'd throw it together. I'm gonna try it out in a couple weeks when I uh, when I get all the cards together for it. But it was uh, an interesting deck. I'm gonna see if I can look up the uh, the band list because it yeah. made, got me thinking about the deck, and I thought it was really neat. Um, yeah, because cause from my experience, like Tin fins is one of those decks where like you just want to practice like goldfish as much as humanly possible before you even think about taking it to an event. Really? Um, like I, I used to play it uh, quite a bit um, when I was just like taking a break from from dredge, and I built it and it's like you know what, let's give it a shot, let's go through the lines, and I sat at my desk for like two days straight just goldfishing and just seeing what kind of lines I could work with. Oh, it's so and much it's, fun. Yeah, it's it's one of those decks where like you're playing solitaire, you're playing reanimator slash storm at the same time. You're like, I'm kind of liking where this is going. Like, oh yeah, the demon sinks his hooks in. Yeah. <laughs> now, now, when you were doing it, were you doing uh, Limdul's vault in it? I had one. You had one. I just had the one. Okay. Um, mostly because this was a little bit before they got reprinted in uh, that one commander set. It's like it was kind of tricky to find get my hands on multiple copies of it. Oh okay. Like, like, I, I found one, I just snapped it up, and was like, let's see how I can get away with, like, just having, like, the one copy of it. Mm-hmm. So, like, it wasn't too, too bad. Um, I just filled in, like, extra cantrips. Um, I think I ran, like, two ch- uh, Children of Corliss 
Like, I, I just like filling like these tiny little substitutes here and there, based on like card availability. Um, the fourth card, by the way, was Glimpse of Nature. So oh, LED, huh. LED, Force of Will, Glimpse of Nature, and Top were all banned in this. And uh, the the other interesting thing, which I think kind of plays into the uh, the Tinfin's deck, is that they're doing thirty minute rounds. Ooh. So they want to they want to fit four rounds into two hours because a lot of the people there they just don't want to be doing it for a whole you know a whole afternoon. They want to get in, get four rounds in, and get out of there. So so I'm try- we were trying to figure out what deck is fast, what deck is bro you know as broken as you can be without those without those cards. And I mean, and Tinfin's doesn't run any of them anyway. Yeah. Um, and uh. And what deck would be fun to play? And I think Tinfin's kind of fit into all all of those categories. But I uh, I definitely will be goldfishing with the deck because I haven't played it at all yet. So yeah, like for for that kind of ban list, I'd say like Tinfin's would be really good. Um, yeah. The old like the old old dredge deck with uh, tireless tribe instead of LED could work. <laughs> <laughs> so, so what is this tireless tribe? It's like a one one for one white discard a card against plus four plus sorry plus four plus four until end of turn. But it's basically like having four extra putrid imps. Okay. This is a number um, error. So those Please those would be good. Um, burn would be pretty decent. Yeah, because there's like I nothing have on the list. So. The error number ten thousand twenty one. Um, like mud. Mud could work pretty solidly. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, it's. I'll be interested to go there and just and just check it out. I wanted to build yeah. a deck that, like I said, I could get into and get out of quickly if I had to. This but is a known um, error. I'm literally just These building it to go do a one of like test run of this store and see how it is. But <laughs> <laughs> I just thought the uh, the the band list was interesting. It seemed like kind of I don't know, sort of a neat space to play in, you know. Well, this is kind of a tricky question. Um, okay. <laughs> so there's a there's a. I guess somebody a question for your strategy as far as what would you think is the best way to convince players to sub- to just substitute cards that they own for cards they don't um, in an established archetype so they can actually play magic so like I guess let's say somebody has um, I don't know let's say somebody has almost all of miracles together but wants to would, would you suggest they play Codex Shredder over Sensei's Top so they can actually play their deck? Or Scroll Rack? I'm trying to think of... I, I think it's very dependent on the archetype that they're building. Mm-hmm. Um, like, using Miracles as an example, like Sensei's Divine and Top is just so ingrained into like the core of the deck, and it right. enables like the majority of the lines of play that for that particular deck I wouldn't exactly recommend it, but if we're talking something like using... Werebear over Tarma Boyfriend Rug Delver, I could kind of say, okay, it's not the best option you have available, but mm-hmm. go with it. Um, for like the longest time, I found that like even against say uh, people who wanted to get into Dredge but couldn't find LEDs, mm-hmm. I said, just build manless Dredge, get yourself acclimatized to the format, acclimatized to how Legacy as a whole operates, because okay. they're there's some things that like you don't exactly think about until you actually start playing it, like playing around Force of Will. Do, mm-hmm. They have no lands in play. It's their, tr- it's your turn one, but do they have? They can, can they interact with you at all? Right. They might turn one meter vote. Yeah, it's one of those things where like, if you're just getting into the format, try to get in as quickly and as cheaply as possible. 
like use substitutes if you have to, and just kind of scout out how to play this format. Because mm-hmm. um, one of the biggest problems I see with people who just like dive in, even with like the full like the ideal lists, yeah, is they'll play thinking like it's modern, like it's modern, where they don't have to worry about force will, they don't have to worry about getting comboed out early. Ah, interesting. And they just they just play turn one Delver go. Okay. I've seen pe- I've seen people run Delver out, no protection or or anything, and they just hope for the best. Mm-hmm. And they have like no force will. They're not playing around opposing force wills. They're not playing around like abrupt decays or stifle. Nobody plays around stifle anymore, mm-hmm. from what I'm seeing. And it's one of those cards that you want to acclimatize and familiarize yourself with very, very early on into your legacy career. Mm-hmm. Because you just get completely blown out by it. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> yeah. So if you have the means to build like the majority of a deck, go for it. Just to like scout out. But like if you're talking about like the difference between Codex Shredder and Sensei's Divining Top, it might not be worth like you might accidentally yeah. you might accidentally like turn yourself off of the format just because you don't have access to these other lines that such a card like Top gives you. Right, right. Yeah, uh, no, I, w- I just came up with a bad example that anyway. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Uh, it, it's also a matter of, like, say, uh, Reanimator, but you don't have, like, a Crystal Brand. Mm-hmm. What kind of substitutes can you make there? Like, I would recommend, if you have access to, like, say, an Iona, Justin Elishnorn, and mm-hmm. you just go, like, heavy on the cantrips. Mm-hmm. Like, you fill in those spots elsewhere. Um, I've often, like, made substitutes for, say, uh, a Cloud Post deck or a Lands deck. Like, I-, I tried building Lands for a while, and I didn't have access to uh, Grove of the Burn Willows. Mm-hmm. So I couldn't play Punishing Fire at all. So what I did was I kind of looked up other lands, so I was running, like, Riftstone Portal, I was running excess copies of Mana Bond. I was just trying to, like, turbo out Merit late. So, like, you kind of adapt yourself based on, like, card availability. Um, it's one of those things that, like, I would actually recommend is look at the cards that you don't have for a deck mm-hmm. and then start building a list of cards that you could use as a viable substitute and then test to see if it's actually worth it or if you just have to, have, just have to bite the bullet and get those cards. And I, I get this, uh, obviously, you know, in brewing, you... I, I got to imagine you have an, an affinity for interesting board states and card interactions, right? I mean, that's <laughs> like you—that's—it's you ju- it's, got to be one of the reasons why you get interested in judging, anyway. Is that when these things happen, somebody calls you over and says, "Oh, yeah. check this out." <laughs> so, oh yeah, these, these little corner cases—I I just like revel in it. Like, so here's here's a, I mean, all right, two cool things then. Uh, one of them was just kind of a really interesting, a bunch of judges looking at it going, alright, this is really weird. Um, you know, one guy had, one of my buddies was playing a game that I was watching, and his opponent had out chains of Mephistopheles. Oh, crap. <laughs> and, and, and he had out Sylvan Library. Oh boy. So, so like that was one that was like really, really awesome. You know, and like yeah. everybody's trying to figure out, um, and then the other one was, and this is just really cool because you were just talking about Reanimator, and I got remem- remembering my buddy Nick was doing something with his Reanimator deck 
where he was in a position, and he, and he set it up a few times where he could do it, where he would have Tide Spout Tyrant on the board that bounces something when you cast a spell. Yeah. And then he animated dead an Ashen Rider. <laughs> so the Ashen Rider came into play and exiled something. Then he would cast a Lotus Petal and bounce the animate dead, destroying the Ashen Rider and getting rid of something else. Cast... Uh, <laughs> Cast a dark ritual, cast the animate dead, bring the ashen rider back, cast another dark ritual and bounce the animate dead again. And he like he would just start wiping a board out, playing with the animate dead on an ashen rider, and I'm like, wow, that is so awesome. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, because you were talking about World Gorgia Dragon, I thought you might get a kick out of that interaction too. It was the coolest thing. Oh yeah. Like Ashen Rider is one of my absolute favorite reanimation targets. Mm-hmm. Um I, I have, like, one or two copies of my Dredge Cyborg at all times, just in case I get faced against Show and Tell. Ooh, okay. So, so, like, I had one match where, uh, it was, like, game three or something. He goes turn one Graph Jigger's Cage against my Dredge deck, so I'm like, crap. Okay. So I've got the Ashen Rider in my hand, like, I'm sandbagging it. And he slams down Show and Tell. Mm-hmm. And I put down the Ashen Rider, he puts down Emmercool. Mm-hmm. And I exile the Graph Jigger's Cage instead. Right. So, on my turn, I dredge, dredge, dredge. I get a bunch of bridge from bullets in the graveyard. Mm-hmm. I get my Icarids. I get fully set up. Mm-hmm. And he's looking at my board and like, I'm at 15 from like, damn it, from like pinging myself a city of brass. Yeah. So he's like, okay, I'm just going to attack with Emrakul and kill you. And I'm like, go ahead and attack me. So he swings in. He's like, annihilator six. Blow up your board. I'm like, cool. Ashen Rider dies. Yep. Exile your cool. Yeah. <laughs> I get four zombies. Mm-hmm. And he's sitting there like, oh my god, did I really just fucking do that? <laughs> well, that's awesome. Because then I untap, bring back two Icarids, stack them all, flank and zealot, kill you. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's one of those like little interactions where you don't even think about it because you're so used to just Emrakul just swinging, killing right. you. Winning, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs> oh no, that 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 actually makes a yeah man. <laughs> I never I never thought about Ashen Rider in a dredge deck. That's really good. Yeah, I know Jerry was doing it out of his um, sneak and show deck just to be able to answer a needle or yeah. a snaring bridge if he needed to. He would do one main deck Ashen Rider, which was really interesting because we did get to a point where I played him with Tinfins and uh, I wasn't able to combo out, but he played Show and Tell. He put in. Uh, Ashen Rider and I put in Grizzlebrand. I drew 14 and still couldn't kill him next turn. Because <laughs> he obviously I went to remove Grizzlebrand. <laughs> hmm. Actually, now that you mentioned Jerry, it uh, reminds me of like one of my favorite like brewing stories. Is like for a while after he popularized um, the Rug Hypergenesis deck. Oh, what, Jerry T. Yeah, Jerry T. Oh, okay. He was, he was playing Rug Hypergenesis for like a month straight on SCG Opens. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, at the time, I didn't have access to like Misty, Scalding Tarns, Dual Lands. Yep. So I came up with a version to specifically beat Show and Tell, and like mm-hmm. Show and Tell and Hypergenesis list that was like, I ran four copies of Ashen Rider, four copies of Angel of Despair, main deck. Okay. So they play Show and Tell, it's I kill whatever they play. Error. They play Hypergenesis, or I play Hypergenesis, all of my Ashen Riders and all my Angel of Despairs blow up everything that they put into play. Hmm. I had one game where 
on his end step, he, uh, was, I think death and taxes. He was like, turn on Mother of Runes. I go, end of turn, exile three spirit guides, violent outburst, I put down Ashen Rider and Emrakul. Wipe, I blew up whatever he played, untapped on my turn one, and swung in for 20. Mm. <laughs> and it was just one of those decks where like, it, it kind of warped my local metagame a bit, because they're like, crap, I can't play show and tell around Tyler. Mm-hmm. Because if I play show and tell, I'm just dead. Mm-hmm. And it's one of those things where, like, you can take an existing archetype, like, as a brewer, like, you take an existing archetype and just make it these slight tweaks based on card availability and mm-hmm. you turn it into something slightly more monstrous. Mm-hmm. Whether it's, like, completely viable on, like, a large scale tournament or not, you can definitely use it to, like, accumulate winnings at a turn, at, like, a game store every week, right, right, and then afford the the more stock version if that's what you want to do, right. So, what would you say, out of curiosity, like, what's your pet card? <sighs> uh, my pet card is probably I want to say Golgari Grave Troll. Oh, like I've I've just been so like my my persona. In the magic community, has been so intertwined with Golgari, Grave Troll, and Dredge for so goddamn long <laughs> that like I show up to events, people see me, and they cyborg Relic of Progenitus. They just start sleeping into the cyborgs. Huh. Um, beyond that, like if I'm not playing Legacy, Emrakul, hands down. Huh? I played I played Emrakul in every standard deck I could at the time. Okay. And then in modern, like. I, I had the Gordo's Vengeance, I had Tron, uh, I had a Naya Through the Breach deck. That could that, that, that's kind of cute, because like, that's your pet card, but you're, and you're building an Eldrazi deck that doesn't have it in it. Yeah, it's, it's kind of <laughs> ironic now, yes. <laughs> Just a bit. Okay. <laughs> that being said, these days, uh, I, I've had a bit of an affinity for Ulamog, uh, the Cecil's Hunger. I haven't tried him yet. It's it's unreal. Like especially in the Eldrazi decks where like you can turn four, turn five this thing. Okay. You exile two of the permanents, like every time you attack, regardless of the chump it or not, you're just eating away like chunks of their library. It's so nice. Hmm. It's it's the card that like the old Eldrazi Titans kind of wanted to be. Or like you're just getting all this extra value that, like, even if you don't connect with it, they're still going to die. Has that become popular in the, uh, like, the current mud lists? The new, uh, the new Ulamog, or no? Ulamog, I don't think, has, uh, kind of made its way into mud. I know oh. for a fact that Ugin has made its way. Right, yeah, I know that. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think, like, that extra two mana might kind of make the difference. Okay. Um, just because, like, as much of a ramp deck as Mud is, um, you can't have too many non-artifacts in there. So if you're trying to balance out the board-wiping effect of Ugin versus the exiling effect of uh, Ulamog, mm-hmm. Ugin is just so much better in Mud right now, mm-hmm. just because there's just fewer ways to actually deal with it, this thing. Ulamog still suffers from Swords of Plowshares uh, Syndrome, where, like, Sure, you've killed off two, like, 
you've killed their Jason, you've killed their, like, Tundra, but they'll still float the white sword you got. Yeah. So, like, that's, you still kind of fall victim to that, whereas, like, Ugin is just much better suited for what the mud deck kind of wants to do. Right. So we get, I gotta wrap up, but we got something else that we do here, Tyler, that's, yeah. um, we don't do shout outs. <laughs> we do a scoop yeah. into, we do a scoop into top eight. So, uh, hmm. so Pat, uh, we'll start with Pat. So, uh, you get a little chance to prep up anyway, but <laughs> Pat, you want to do scoop into top eights? Yeah, I'm going to scoop you in Tyler first and foremost. Uh, thanks for coming on, man. Sorry. I dropped off the call for a few. Uh, again, internet is being spotty here, I guess, today. But, uh, it was good to have you on, man. It's good to talk with someone who, um, does the brewing thing because that's so far out of my comfort zone. Um, I am your, like, typical, like, spiky neck, net decker. Like, I only make changes. <laughs> I thought, I thought you were gonna say spiky neck beard. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, net decker. Net decker, guys. Um, <laughs> Um, so yeah, so it's always good, to, it's always good to talk to people who brew and, uh, uh, make decks so that I can copy them and play them when they, uh, do well. Um, and also I'm gonna scoop in Jerry, uh, since he do- dodged me again today. Um, uh, still podcast champion, and, uh, retain the belt. And that's it for me, Adrian. <laughs> Anybody you wanna scoop in, Tyler? Well, I've got, uh, two major scoop ins, sorry, three major scoop ins. Um, legit MTG for, Carrying my articles for so freaking long. Uh, how long? How long have you been writing for them now? About three and a half years now. Wow, yeah. that's impressive. Yeah, they were, they were pretty much where I got my start. Like they've been real good to me so far. Mm-hmm. Um, Harry Tarantula North, the Canadian LGS that I write for, and then uh, the third one's got to be Legends Warehouse. It's the LGS that I judge at. Oh, they've, okay. I, I've been going to these guys since I was like eight years old, and they pretty much helped me get into the game to begin with. Uh, cool. Awesome. Awesome. <laughs> anyway, I just uh, want to say thank you guys for having me. It's been a pleasure. Uh, thanks for joining us, Tyler. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> no, no, I really, I can't, I can't even tell you, man. I fucking, I, I still default refer people. I'm like, yeah, if you want to check out Gorios and Modern, look at this article first. You know, and and that wasn't, like I said, it wasn't the nourishing show versions. It's yeah. just, I found it to be the most consi- like. I mean, is it charm work good with Fury of the Horde? But when the full deck is red, it's just, yeah, it, it was so much better. It, it's it makes like almost no difference, and yeah. it's funny because like I've been steadily helping people uh, get into Dredge because I wrote a primer as part of my Legit MTG uh, Legacy series. It's something like seven pages long. It goes in depth for like every single possible matchup and line that you can do, and like. Uh, Gathering Magic's uh Erin Campbell. I've been talking to her like nonstop about like mm-hmm. she came to me about how to learn dredge to begin with and I was like I love just helping people learn combo decks. Mm-hmm. And to have somebody that famous like just looking up to me as like the the, the kind of dredge guy. Mm-hmm. I I just love it about this the the, the online like Twitter community. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, there's a, there's a guy around, uh, there's a guy we got close here who's just, he's been playing Dredge for probably, oh, what did he say, like three years or something? Um, and like, he's my, if I, if I have Dredge questions, I'll, I'll <laughs> defer to him. Cause like, like I said, I play Dredge like a combo deck, just quickly get Grizzlebrand out and do stupid stuff. 
but like the decks, usually it seems like the dredge decks that play Lion's Eye Diamonds with Icarids are more resilient. Yeah, it's a it's a big reason why I have my current configurations because I have Icarids and LEDs. I have that kind of long game potential just in case that I have to face like turn like turn one Deathrite Shaman or like Scavenging Goose or something like that. Right, right. But I still have like all the breakthroughs. The the Flankin Zealot Dread return plan, like I still have mm-hmm. all the the ways to like kill you on turn one, turn two. Mm-hmm. It's just I still have that plan B in the back of my head. Right. Yeah. I like it, and like I said, normally when I'll do it, it's more combo, but it's more fragile. Yeah. So where can people find you? Um, you can find me on Twitter. Uh, I'm at Tyler the Fro. Um, you can find me at LegitMTG, uh, doing legacy content every other week. And you can find me at uh, Harry Tarantula North's website, htnorth.com, uh, where we we try to get, get like a weekly thing, but uh, sometimes you know I get pushed back every now and then. But uh, that's for all of my modern, my standard, my casual articles as well. And what's the name of the hot shops, hot sauce slash coffee shop? It's uh, called the Sauce Shack Inc. The Sauce and, Shack uh, we, Inc. Yeah. Now, Tyler, what's going to happen if you ever shave your afro off? Like, it's it's going to happen someday, right? You're going to cut your hair? Well, ideally that day won't happen. <laughs> um, but uh, then I have to change my Twitter handle to Tyler, the guy with the really cool hat. <laughs> <laughs> it's nice. It's nice. <laughs> well, all right, guys. i got to go make sure I didn't break anything. <laughs> so, I hope you guys have a lovely... Uh, week and i hope everybody has a wonderful monday you can email us at leavinglegacymtg at gmail.com or find us on twitter at mathematrixter at jmee3rd or at pat uglo thanks for listening remember play fast not loose Cyrus Jones, 1810 to 1913 Made his great-grandchildren believe you could live to 103 103 is forever when you're just a little kid So Cyrus Jones lived forever Grave digger When you dig my grave Could you make it shallow? So that I can feel the rain Grave digger Muriel Stonewall, 1903 to 1954 She lost both of her babies in the Second Great War Now you should never have to watch As your only children are lowered in the ground I mean Never have to bury your own babies Grave digger When you dig my grave Could you make it shallow So that I can feel the rain Grave digger Ring around the rosy 
opposing Ashes to ashes We all fall down Grave digger When you dig my grave Could you make it shallow So that I can feel the rain Grave digger Seven to seventy-five, he rode his bike like the devil until the day he died. When he grows up, he wants to be Mr. Vertigo on the flying trapeze. Or This is a song by by Daniel Lenoir. 